Hello, this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 38 of Gaming with Grief. And this episode is called Lore Heavy. Uh, If you want to get a hold of me, you can go to gwgpodfellows at gmail.com, drop me a line. And if you want me to, I'll read it on the show. If not, that's cool, I won't. Uh, Also, I'm recording this Sunday night, but this episode will hit www.gamingwithgrief.com on Monday morning at about 7 a.m. And it's also going to be on SoundCloud, so you can go to both those places and follow me for all of your gaming stuff, whatever quandaries. So, um, I don't know, this episode is called uh, Lore Heavy, like I said, and I think what I'm going to talk about more is what I've been doing lately is I'm almost done with Sekiro, which again, I said I wouldn't bore you and talk about Sekiro a lot, but I've been playing it a lot because I'm almost done with it. And you get that feeling when you're done with a game where you can just almost taste it, like, man, I got like you know, two, in this case, I have two big bosses to uh, beat, and the game is complete. Uh, there's several endings in um, there's several endings in uh, from software games. Uh, obviously, Sekiro is no exception. Uh, so I have picked um, one of the more complicated endings to start with. So I won't. I'm having it on PS. I have it on PS4, so I won't platinum it. But um, I will do the most complicated ending first, just because I kind of like it, uh, and and I think that's kind of what gave the. Uh, title and theme of this episode is because uh, what I've been doing more and more, it seems, is in looking up the lore of things, you know, uh, and that's really weird to me to be be so into a property or a thing that you're just willing to look up everything about it. You kind of want to devour uh, everything that you see, like everything in Sekiro, there's a lot of, like, like a lot of From Software games. I mean, I've talked about it before, but you know, it probably has the most the most straightforward story of any from software game. Uh, you know, the, they kind of tell you the basic setup. You get to know some of the characters, uh, and there's a basic like plot to the game uh, that is actually set up by another character, by the prince Kuro, who you're protecting, sets up the whole idea. And uh, I mean, like I said, on the surface, is very straightforward go here, do this, do that, that sort of thing. Really cool. But, um, you know, uh, uh, Vodvidia uh, on YouTube, I'm hoping to say his name right. There's a lot of, um, you know, he sourced a lot of people. There's some Reddit threads that I've looked at, mostly to help with endings and things like that. Uh, I believe there's the Fighting Cowboy on YouTube. I've looked at a lot of his videos, um, which is great. But I think what it is is, like, there's just these things uh, on the edges or kind of in the margins of a game, which are, you know, pretty fascinating. The idea that uh, it seems like from some Reddit threads and uh, Vadvita that there is an idea that a lot of the game is obviously since it's based in ancient Japan, uh, it's based in ancient Japanese folklore. And uh, I've read a little bit of Japanese folklore, not a lot. Um, but it's kind of interesting that the creators can call upon this stuff uh, to... Uh, you know, craft a game and how it weaves in and out of the narrative. And um, I don't know. I'm going to get into like a big spoilery thing. I think once I beat the game, I'm actually going to try to write down like my thoughts kind of. Because uh, I think I started uh, this year. Um, I took some notes on a game I was playing, which I'm still 
going to review for the site, but I was playing kind of Sekiro on the side to beat it, and it slowly like took over, um, you know, my life and the way that it, I was playing stuff. It just kind of took over because I kept thinking about it, you know, um, which I guess is good, you know, when you're done with something and you just continually think about it. Uh, and so I think, uh, so I kind of put that other game down. Uh, and I and I was thinking a lot about Sekiro, and I really enjoy it. So I figured I wanted to give it time, and uh, and really give it uh, a fair shot, and really you know focus on that one thing. And so I've I've been playing it quite a bit. Uh, good and bad news: I hurt myself at work. Uh, I busted my little toe. Uh, I'm still finding out for my work if they have like lay duty available because I can still technically work. Everything else is fine. Um, so I might have some time off. I might have more time off to devote. Um, it was kind of a dumb accident. Long story short, uh, it'll be fine. I just have to keep weight off it. You know, when your toe breaks, uh, doctors can't really do a lot for you. But uh, I'm gonna. I'm following the doctor's directions. You know, I'm not trying to put weight on it. I'm still kind of getting around a bit. Uh, stuff like that. So yeah. Um, back to the game though. So yeah, it's. I think that's what started the title of this episode. Is that I just kept looking more and more up about Sekiro and like. Uh, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people online and there's some Reddit threads that I've read a little bit about the theory. Um, there's 100% guides. Um, I don't know his full name. I'm going to give all this stuff in the bigger, but they do do a lot of like ending breakdowns of like how to get different endings because there's four different endings in Sekiro, if you're wondering. So there's four different ways to complete the game and everything is, I'll say, ranges from, I want to say great, meaning you find a lot of the hidden content. Uh, and things like that and do a lot of the optional bosses there's good which is you do uh probably half of all that other stuff there's a couple things you can ignore to not have to do like optional bosses uh and then there's the normal ending which is you know you have a kind of a binary choice in the beginning of the game either a or b you know a is good b is bad you pick a that's one ending and then b is a horrible ending. Again, I'll go all this into a spoiler cast. Um, I picked the most complicated ending to do. I, I didn't want to wait until I completely platinum the game. I'm actually very close. Uh, you have, again, you have to play the game four times to beat it. But I think the other... Uh, the the ending I do, and obviously it took the most amount of time early in the mechanics, early in the game, when you go back into New Game Plus, you know where to go, you know who to talk to, you know... The quickest way from point A to point B, you could probably whiz through the second good ending. Um, so that's really cool. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, the bad ending. Somebody I read online, people were saying I feel really you know bad because not only it's a bad ending, but you could do it in two hours. So it really takes a lot of the content out of the game. Uh, so yeah, um, and I just kept looking stuff up like... Uh, there is a, I'll say this much, I was going to talk about it later, but there is a, uh, there is a lore, there's a lore reason there's like a rope in the game uh, that looks really strange and it, it walks, it's like a sentient rope, it looks really weird, it looks like a, uh, a stick figure man, but it's made out of hemp and it carries you to somewhere, which I won't get into until I get this book, I guess, but uh, it carries you to this place and you think, that's weird, why would a rope carry you know like from software there's a lot of like gothic horror and just horror in general like medieval horror and fantasy and obviously bloodborne with kind of a uh, 
kind of a Cthulhu, um, H.P. Lovecraft uh, kind of theme. And uh, this rope carries you to this place, and you think, that's weird. The sentient rope just carried me somewhere. But as a lot of people pointed out on Reddit and some of the videos I've seen, ropes are used as a protection uh, around shrines in the game and also, I guess, in Japan. Uh, so people will tie like ropes around things like you know ceremonial bells or their belt. Um, one of the characters actually has it looks like not a belt but a, a a clasp is made out of hemp in the shape of the creature that takes you to uh, this place and like things like that. It's all connected. You think, oh, that's just a rope. It's not a big deal. But you start looking at it and you start like. You know, this is like freeze frame stuff where people are looking at this going, hey, did you see this little thing off to the side? This probably is connected to something else, you know? And the idea that uh, there's kind of like this supernatural underpinnings. Uh, there's this really dark moment, which I'll get into in the ending. I did hit the spoiler cast, which really kind of shocked me. I mean, the whole game is very shocking. But uh, yeah, and then I started, so I was looking up this lore, and uh, I enjoy comics um, a lot. Uh, I'm broke lately, so I haven't really bought a lot. But uh, I've been reading uh, when I can. I've been reading some DC and like looking into DC comics, and I really like the Green Lantern Corps. Like the idea that they've exploded kind of the lore of the core and kind of brought it out. Now there's not just green and yellow. There's uh, sapphire and red and orange and blue. I'm trying to think of the other colors. I think that's it. White and black. Those are the other ones. Uh, and they've made a whole storyline based on the how the lore of the Lanterns has changed. I've been looking at that. It made me boot up uh, DC Universe Online again because I have a Lantern there that I wanted to check out. And I really started looking like where the in the comics where the Lantern Corps came from and how it split. And like looking up that lore video, like it's just a lore rabbit hole where you just feel I'm not going to learn all this. There's no way that all this is coming. You know, I'm not going to be able to bring this all together. It's crazy, but I've really been enjoying it lately. Just the deep dive into things, the idea that we can, you know, it kind of, it uh, it makes you think more, uh, I don't know, it makes you kind of contemplate and look at things differently, you know, because I think a lot of times uh, games, you know, I talk about all kinds of games, like Magic the Gathering was obviously just a card game. Uh, with cool stuff in it when it started. I don't know if there was a deep lore to the game. It was just like, these are cool cards that do cool things. And I think now they've added storylines with different characters and different things like that. And that is interesting to me. You know, the idea that, you know, we can build lore later. You know, people make fun of probably Dota uh, and League of Legends that I know very little about, but I do know it does seem weird that they're trying to make these uh, lore things happen for a reason and uh, I enjoy that stuff I enjoy that I, I think what it is it's the care of like hey we have all this stuff you know what do we do with it I saw a tweet uh, last week from one of the creators of um, he works at Respawn who recently did Jedi Fallen Order and they've also done Titanfall 1 and 2 and they recently did Apex Legends the Battle Royale shooter now Whatever you think of Battle Royale, this guy actually had a long thread, and I thought it was, uh, not long, but it was a several-part thread, and I thought it was fascinating where he said, you know, we had all these story ideas uh, from Titanfall 1 and 2, and I was kind of like building the world out, 
Um, and he goes, uh, you know, as a studio, we came to the determination we were going to make a Battle Royale game. And he said, I'm very, uh, I was very depressed because I didn't want the game. Uh, that, that's not really what I wanted. I didn't want the game to go in that direction. Uh, but, it, it, you know, we as a studio thought it would be the best thing. And, I, and he goes, I, I got really depressed and I was alone in the studio kind of writing all this stuff. So he said, what I did is I started writing short stories for the other Titanfall games for Titanfall, you know, the Titanfall universe. And he goes, it just, you know, I was, he goes, I was sketching comics. I was just trying to keep busy and active and, um, you know, try to stay in the world. And he said, what happened was somebody, one of the designers came to me and said, hey, we've decided to put this Battle Royale game in the, uh, in the Titanfall universe. And he said, it just blew my mind. And he said, so it was like all these things that I had we could start using. And he said, it was a happy accident, but I got a bigger team. And we really started thinking, like, how do we put a, um, you know, how do we put this world together with this lore? How do we build upon lore in like a battle royale game? Where does it make sense to put character story and, uh, and, and buildings and like how do these things come together? And I think it was like fascinating. It was a great tweet. I mean, obviously it was a happy accident that he was working pretty much solo on a project and it, uh, it worked out. But what I think is more fascinating is that, uh, you know, they he thought about the lore. Like, how do these things connect? And now it's a different thing where you've written all these things that kind of come together in it, their own world or their own thing. And then you think, oh, I don't think we're ever going to use this. You know, I've been keeping my brain active, but I don't, I don't know where this is going to fit into the puzzle. And then, you know, b- basically making it all fit. And that's really great. And... Uh, Really happy for that guy that he was able to do that, you know. It, it doesn't happen all the time, uh, and I don't. I don't it's, it's just a thing of like, you know, the people craft these worlds and craft these things and uh, put time into them. You know, I've I've been writing that uh, Dragon Age campaign, and uh, t- you know, we had a we had a good thing, but I feel bad sometimes when there's exposition, and I feel uh, I kind of failed this time because I did kind of explain things a little bit. You know, you, you I guess some of it is. There's players that have never really played before, so maybe I was expecting like, oh, this is clear as a storyteller, but it actually helps you refine your storytelling because you tell yourself like, oh, I really need to make this abundantly clear, you know? And I was thinking to myself like how to do that. And plus, since we only meet every two weeks, some of those uh, finer things or whatever get kind of lost in the, the, the sands of time, as it were. And so I was thinking maybe sending out a recap maybe before we meet back up i'll probably do that next week of just sending everybody a quick text hey everybody here's where we're at and then maybe spending 10 minutes uh before we actually start playing of like here's those are the broad strokes are there any questions that you guys have uh before we move on because it's not something you do every day and you can't uh, you know, even in a story device of doing it every week, you know, okay, this happened before, this is an hour TV show, you know, but sometimes you're at the gaming table for four or five hours trying to describe these stories to people. And I think there was something that was kind of unclear today, which we were like, I don't really like rewinding time, but we kind of had to because the player said, I, I didn't, I, this wasn't clear to me, you know, so like, you can't just tell them, well, you know, screw you, you got to deal with it. It was like, no, no, you're right, you're right. Like, if it's not clear, then we'll go back. What do you actually want to do in this moment? That wasn't clear. Um, everybody seemed to have a good time, but again, there wasn't really a lot of combat this uh, time. But I think next, um, I think next time there will be more combat. I, in fact, I know there will, and it'll kind of set up the, kind of the end game of the campaign. Everybody now is level, I think, sixteen or seventeen. Uh, so I think you know they they only have a few levels left, and then the saga will end. 
and uh, then they'll have an epilogue, and then their characters would basically uh, go off into the sunset. I thought it was really interesting because actually one of the characters that's a warrior uh, found some NPCs, kind of like a refugee camp, and decided to train them uh, because he, you know, people wanted to fight, uh, and uh, he he just thought there was something about him. He's like, do you guys want to learn how to fight? And you know, that's what he was. He's a warrior, true. You know, he's a um, a Quinari warrior. Uh, through and through and I thought it was a really cool character thing uh, he definitely his character has some anger issues but that was pretty funny uh, but I thought it was interesting that he um, you know I said oh yeah there's you know there's refugees here and, and so he kind of befriended them and started training them and then I you know since it was kind of off the cuff and kind of a, kind of an improv on my part uh, for him doing that I didn't really come up with names for the uh, for the characters and uh, I said you know, I was kind of nervous, and I said, you know, do you want to know their names? Uh, the, these people you're training, there's, you know, three of them, two boys and a girl. Uh, and he said, no, I don't want to know their names because there's a big siege happening again, a big a battle. And he says, I don't want to know their names unless they survive. And I'll learn their names uh, after this battle. So if they survive, and everybody kind of laughed and said, yeah, there's there's no point in learning you know someone's name if they're expendable, and I don't know what's going to uh, what's going to happen uh, to them. Uh, I don't know. I'm, and I told him if when we fight in battle, uh, they will uh, that he's going to roll for them, even though they're NPCs, because he's training them. So um, I think that'll be interesting. It might slow stuff down. We'll see, uh, because usually you roll as one. And I'll, I'll try to come up with a way to make that quicker, you know. So, yeah, and I think I, that's what this whole episode about is about, like, how do you get lore and story together? And, again, uh, I kind of had an exposition dump today. But it's kind of nice to kind of put everything on the table without giving too much away of where it's going of, like, okay, so this is what's happening here and this is what's happening here. There's probably a better way to do it, you know, in-game. Um, but I tried to get the players to kind of sit down and talk. But, they you know, they, they had a plan. They didn't really understand uh you know what was happening some of that was my fault and some of it was things were very chaotic and they were running from someone so they you know they didn't have a lot of time to come up with that so i think that's what it is lately i've been thinking a lot about you know how how does an idea become a story become a tale become exposition how does that weave into a world how does it you know function is it gratifying you know that's the thing is like people can watch fantastical movies about uh, you know, World War One or World War Two. You know, those are real events that happen, but fant- uh, fantastical things happen. Some people love uh, science fiction, you know, or really enjoy it and think it's great. Other people see science fiction and see it as a waste of time. They don't understand. Or the same way with fantasy. You know, I like lasers and stuff like that. I don't like elves. Elves aren't my thing. Whatever. You know, like that. I like elves. I'm just saying in general. And it's like, how do you take those threads or story beats or lore and weave it into something that is tangible for people that they understand you know and how do you make it so um it, it, it's just to a wider audience is it's uh i don't know it's digestible and especially like telling a story i definitely learned um i think i need to outline a little bit more i was thinking about this in the campaign too that uh, in the beginning, there was a lot of ad-libbing and improv because I didn't know what the characters wanted or where they're going. I had everything in broad strokes, and I think right now we're at where I want to be. And so now, definitely from here on out, there is a lot of, um, I think, planning. So 
there, there'll be more outlines. I think what helped me wasn't just like doing everything, you know, like uh, planning every moment. It was planning the broad strokes. Okay, they need to get A and they need to get A to D. You know, they can fill in uh, and B and C, you know, because they're going to do certain things or want certain things. So uh, I think I'm going to continue to do that and the campaign will just get better and better. It's towards the end, but I think it, I think generally everybody's having a good time and stuff like that. Uh, and then I guess from there we'll decide what we want to do. I got a starter kit of the Legend of the Five Rings uh, starter box set of the pen and paper. I can't find my receipt. I was thinking of returning it because uh, it's strange because um, I uh, I don't know. I, I looked in and I thought, oh, that's like a cool... I think it's because they're playing a lot of Sekiro. It's like the same Japanese setting. They made up their own island area that's... I think it looks like a cross between China and Japan. And you have magic, and it's it's like ancient Japan, but like a mystical version of ancient Japan, which is cool. Um, but I looked into it. I saw like a YouTube video. I watched it after I bought it. I probably should watch it before. But there's like a whole new dice system you have to learn and things like that. And that is a little off-putting. Uh, Dragon Age had a new dice system, but it was three six-headed dice, which is something you readily have available. This is a whole new system with I think they it looked like there were symbols on the dice or wasn't numbers. So that's a little strange. Long story short, I do like the lore of it and everything. So I don't know if I'm actually going to play that. Maybe I'll find the receipt and return it. Um, and, and I will talk to the group too and see what we want to do from now on. But that's kind of like really been on my mind lately again is just how lore and all this stuff kind of fits together. So I've really been thinking about it. And I really want to talk about it on this episode. So, you know, I think that's going to do it this week uh, for Gaming with Grief episode 38. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, again, you can write to me at uh, gwgpodfellows at gmail.com and uh you know drop me a line tell me what you think of the show whatever and uh, also this episode will drop monday morning at 7 a.m uh at www.gamingwithgrief.com and i think that's going to do it this week guys so talk to you next week